0: Would you join me as I just open in a word of prayer? Oh, gracious and loving God, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you've gathered us. And Lord, we just pray that you would open our ears, that you would open our eyes to see what it is that you have for us today. And that you'd also give us hearts that are able to receive all that you have, Lord. We want this to be for our good and for your glory, Lord. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, this is our fourth and final week of the rhythm series that we've been doing through January. And um, as I mentioned, my name is Fiona, and it's a joy to be here to um, bring you this message. I just like wondering if we could start in a way that might be a bit different than usual. I want you to visualize something for me. Okay, imagine this you're on a bus. It's the afternoon ride home and there are people getting on and off the bus and you're just minding your own business. But out of the corner of your eye, you notice that there is a young woman and she is like, she's distraught. She's visibly upset. She's like sobbing. And it's a bit uncomfortable. And so you kind of feel to like avert your eyes and look the other way. But then you notice that there's a little boy. And he's just sitting like kind of almost just alongside her as well on the bus. And he's with his mum. And he's got this block of chocolate. And his mum has said, No, you have to put that away. It's for later. And he's just sat there thinking about his chocolate. And then he's noticed this girl who is up distraught. And he has unwrapped his chocolate block and he's. Given it to her, he's given, he's offered her his chocolate. It's such a simple and unexpected part of the way that that story ends. Such a beautiful show of concern by a little child. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you recognize what I'm talking about? There'll be a slide on the screen that tells you exactly what I'm talking about. It's an ad. It's an ad of Cadbury's. I don't know whether you've seen it or whether you recognize it, but. This ad actually triggered or was part of a movement that lasted for a couple of years that made random acts of kindness very trendy. Very trendy was random acts of kindness. And I was just wondering, you know, um, have you actually been on the receiving end something like that. Have you received just unexpectedly from someone out of the blue such a beautiful act of kindness? I think if we could all take some time we'd be able to bring to mind uh, that kind of a a moment to remember. But friends I wanted to um, talk about this particular advertisement as a way of introduction because we're not talking about today about random things. We're not talking so much about you know random acts of kindness or, or shows of concern for others. We're actually talking about rhythms aren't we? We've been talking about rhythms um, for at January and um, rhythms are really important and that's the name of our series and we've been focusing on this because rhythms bring us to places of intentionality. Rhythms are so important for our intentionality, so let me explain a little bit further. Here at New Life, it's been our habit to begin each year by being highly intentional about the things that we put in practice and the structures that we have in life. Because of the habits that we form and the principles and the practices that we put ourselves through and the rhythms that we adopt, those things, they don't just, they're not just things we do, but they're things that do something to us, they're things that do something to us. Frequently through the everyday things, we human creatures become both formed and deformed, don't we? We become both formed and deformed. And formed is a word we use when we're often describing our discipleship. What it is to be shaped in a process, a process, friends, of being shaped into the likeness of Christ, a process of being more like Jesus. But then there's also something that happens to us, sometimes without us really being aware of it. And that is something that kind of fragments us kind of pulls us in directions where we're conscious that this isn't really who we are, or what we feel as though is right or what God's calling us to. It's just really important to be aware of those two things and rhythms are so important of how we're being formed. My son, Harry, he's just turned 22. He turns 22 in January. But since he was 15 years old, as a birthday gift from a husband and I, we gave him an annual daily devotion just an annual one of some sort. And um, my husband and I wondered really often whether, you know, Harry would make this a daily thing or not. Um, and then, and then one, one day, just sort of um, a, few, a few years ago, quite recently, um, Harry's been out at a mate's place overnight. He kind of flies into the house. He jumps into the shower, leaves the wet towel on the floor, flies out again. And mum's there to, you know, pick up the towel and those things. And as I'm doing so, I knock over his uh, overnight satchel off his bed. And all the contents of his satchel tumbles out onto the floor. And sometimes as a parent, it's like, oh, <laughs> did I really want to do that? Um, but you know what tumbled out of his bag? His devotion, out of his overnight bag from staying his mates the night before, is Harry's devotion. And for all the things that we didn't get right about parenting, wet towels on the floor, um, we did actually happen to be able to, with the grace of God, to instil in him the importance of reading the Bible daily and reflecting on God's word. This has been such a deeply formative rhythm uh, for a young man navigating adulthood as a Christian. Um, But as I said, just the last few weeks, we've been so intentional about putting into place the habits and the rhythms and the structures that will deeply shape and form us for 2023. So that 2023 is bigger, brighter, better than last year? Yes. But also, and I think maybe more importantly, friends, that actually putting these things in place means that we align our rhythms and our habits and our practices with that of Jesus. That's the point that we are aligning with Jesus, that this will bring us into a greater intimacy. In Him we will grow more, we will grow to love Him more, grow to be more like Him. These rhythms equip us to walk in the love and in the loving service of Christ. And as Christ loved us, served us, and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. You know what else I love about the start of the year? I love new stationery. I love new stationery, uh, new set of notebooks, just love it, new set of pens, uh, those beautiful white white soft erasers, oh, they're great. Uh, fantastic uh, new whiteboard markers, you know, really, really necessary. Um, and, you know, like the stationery stuff, this helps the organised part of me get off to a really great start to the year. Um, but what's more, I've just discovered that, you know, even in this digital age, there is still so much great stationery out there and I feel like it's more affordable and it comes with things written on it. It comes with memes or words of inspiration of some sort, printed all over it. I'm sure you've bought the notebook or the, the, you know, the mug or whatever. But anyway, here's what my, my notebook says to me. It says, it's a beautiful day to just do something for you. And I raise this because isn't it interesting, you know, I look at this every day and isn't it interesting how subtly words, or memes, these things, they actually make their way into our consciousness and they shape us and they form our attitudes and our actions. They even become really nice and normal. Isn't the word, the written word, powerful? And by contrast, as I look at God's word, as I look at God's word and think, consider what it says to us and what it says to me day in, day out, I don't believe it says it's a beautiful day to do something for you. It says the opposite. It says it's a beautiful day to do something for someone else. For someone else. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that is, it is an opportunity today for us to do something for somebody else? And when I talk about serving, we've mentioned that a few times now, so this is when a rhythm of serving, that's our message today. I wonder what comes to your mind. Hmm, maybe you think of um, the various ways that you serve here at church. And that is such an important aspect of our rhythms. That is such an important part of us loving and caring and supporting and, and really serving one another. Offering to regularly give our time, offering our gifts and our talents is so important to what it is to be part of the body of Christ. Let me encourage you with what 1 Peter says, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each you have received. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that Christ supplies so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. But as well as how we do that within the life of our church, it's also about how we actually extend and how those rhythms flow out beyond here, how they flow out into the places and relationships that we encounter through everyday life. It's my real hope that as we've been gathered today for worship, that yes, we're ready to give and receive. Yes, we're ready to serve one another. Yes, we are going to have an effect and empower one another through our rhythms of serving. But indeed, these things would flow out and impact the world, impact the world that we inhabit. Because Jesus declared this about his life. He said, Even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve. He said, Even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve. So serving like Jesus, I believe, needs for us to become a natural, unconscious, and even unthinking rhythm of our life as an individual and as a family within the life of the church and also outside. A natural and unconscious, even unthinking rhythm of serving. And I think what this means is that it's just simply about responding practically to the opportunities that come our way to serve others. It's less about, for example, scouring Rabinna Town Centre to scout out the needy and the disadvantaged, although that is so important, I love that heart. But what's more important is that what are you going to do with the opportunities that come your way to serve others? What are you going to do with those opportunities? And we do know that they come our way, don't we? We do know that because Christ is in the world, opportunities will abound. Richard Foster says this, he's a writer, a modern day writer about spiritual disciplines and he says, The discovery of God lies in the daily and the ordinary, not in the spectacular or the heroic. If we cannot find God in the routines of home and shop, then we will not find him at all. Friends, Jesus is here in our midst right now, but he's also totally present and totally alive out there in the shopping centre. Jesus is there where you get coffee. Jesus is there at the gym, He's at the office, He's at your uni campus. Have you reflected on what this actually means and how it's impacted on your own life? Has it been true for you to discover that that is actually where Jesus is also at work? Because I think that simple acts of service don't always necessarily look like they're about to be spiritual. But one example I have is a few years ago now, when we were living back in Sydney, um, I was in that express checkout, you know, 12 items or less, I actually had 12 items or less, and um, I've waited my turn and then the, the lovely lady just said to me, hello, and I said, hi, how are you? And she responded by saying, I'm not doing that well, things have been really hard. And I wasn't expecting her to say that. But you know what? I wasn't expecting even more. I wasn't expecting the way that in that moment that she spoke, the presence of God was so tangible. I felt like as those words tumbled out of her mouth, Jesus was right there. Jesus was listening and paying attention and Jesus was actually making me aware of his presence. And I wondered to myself in that split second moment, Lord, what do I do? She's spoken the truth. This is so true. There's stuff going on in her life. And there's someone behind me, and I think there was a kid on my hip or something. But I just simply said, "Um, I don't know what to say, but to say, I really believe you. Things have been hard, just as you said. And there's nothing I can do right now, but can I just let you know that I've heard that and and I wish things were different for you. They weren't even great words, you know, but I was deeply in a spiritual moment where God was present. I got her a coffee. There was a cafe right beside and I left it at her counter and I I went home and was just aware that I had really encountered the Lord in a place that was completely unexpected, in a place I didn't think was that spiritual. Because Jesus is present in the world, because weekly and daily, there will be opportunities. There will be opportunities to extend kindness, to demonstrate concern for others, and to serve like Jesus served. And Jesus did not shy away from the needs of others. As Jesus walked this earth and lived the life that he did, there were countless people that he encountered. He listened to the distress of a mentally unstable man and restored him to his right mind so that he could reintegrate into his family, into his community. Jesus demonstrated deep compassion when he gave a woman back her dignity. Jesus spoke words of life, words of eternal life, into really messed up relationships. And when it was, comes to his friends and his close family members, he served them food. He served them food and he prayed for them and he encouraged them and he washed their feet. Friends, he washed their feet. And he did all this with a natural, unconscious, sacrificial abandonment to his whole purpose in life, which was to serve. Maybe this is just me, but there are things that I am prone to doing with the opportunities that come my way. I am prone to thinking, oh, I'll come back to that person later. I'm prone to saying, oh Lord, I'm not ready. I I probably don't have what they need and I, I don't want to be pulled into that situation right now. I'm prone to forgetting at times in that moment that I am a sinner saved by grace. And to be a sinner saved by grace means that I am to love those that are in need. Jesus also said some pretty radical things to His disciples about what it it would be to serve. He didn't just speak this stuff, He demonstrated it and He taught about it. He taught about it in Scripture. And so we're going to turn to a passage now, Matthew 25, verses 31 to 45. In this particular story, Jesus is with now quite a small band of his followers, of his disciples, and they're sitting up on the Mount of Olives. It looks over a city, and that city is Jerusalem, and that city in the next 24 hours or so is planning to arrest and execute Jesus. But yet Jesus is fully looking forward in that moment to a day where Scripture might be fulfilled, where the world will be filled with the righteousness of God as the waters cover the sea. He's looking forward to what happens at the end of history when he returns, when we will have a renovated earth and when the kingdom of God is fully established right here on earth. And then he goes on to tell a powerful story about a king and a kingdom and sheep and goats. And the story goes along like this. You can read behind me on the screen if you'd like to. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep and the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, your kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Whatever you do, for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me. You who are accursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? Jesus said his reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. In this narrative of the sheep and the goats, Jesus is making a sharp distinction among people who profess to be Christians. Jesus is separating the Christians who extend loving help to anyone in need from those who withhold loving help. The sheep who inherit the kingdom are those who have responded to the needs of others. They've probably done so at considerable cost or risk to themselves. But whether that's the case or not, what they did, they did with what they could. But for the goats, it's the opposite story. The sheep, all through their lives, demonstrate genuine faith. Genuine faith in Jesus. And that genuine faith has produced inevitable good works in their lives. Unthinkingly, unconscious, and born out of the love of Jesus Christ, they've been responding to the pleas and the cries of those around them. They've kept no records. They've sought no praise. They were unaware that they were doing anything unusual but they find a real delight in meeting the needs of others. They know who they are. They are sinners saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's a joy to have the opportunity because Jesus, their King, gives them all they need in order to do it. He equips them for it. A natural and unconscious and even unthinking rhythm of serving, as I said before, is simply and practically about responding to the opportunities that come our way to serve others. And it's a sobering realization that Jesus himself identifies so profoundly, so profoundly with those in need. He said, If you help them, you are helping me. If you ignore them, you are ignoring me. And, friends, of course, it is all about faith, as I said. The sheep are asked to take their place at the right hand of the throne because all through their lives, their lives have been about a genuine faith in the Lord and this has produced the fruit of good works. We're reminded of this in other parts of Scripture like Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourself, it is a gift from God by that no one may boast. And the book of James also says to us this. So, so faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead In fact, the message says it like this, God talk without God acts is an outrageous nonsense. You see, friends, faith and actions, they work together. And faith is made complete by what we do. By what we do. I'd love to tell you another story. Uh, This is a story um, by a man uh, that that we'll we'll call Darren. And Darren has been experiencing homelessness. Yes, sorry, he's been residing in his car for a couple of months, just really just a few suburbs away. He's been trying to evade police and parking officers, but Darren finds himself in a really dark place. And in that place, he phones a local community centre. The call was received and handled with love and compassion and a gentle listening ear by a person simply being available and seeking wisdom as to how they can help Darren. After a conversation with him, apparently Darren has been living in his car for about six months and he's been experiencing suicidal thoughts. He's had high levels of paranoia and social anxiety, which has prevented him from engaging with the homeless and other services that he could be accessing. He shared that he's tried to seek help elsewhere on other occasions, but he's arrived and he's walked in and he's looked around and he's just felt overwhelmed and then quickly left before anybody could connect or welcome or support him. Darren had unpaid toll fees, which were incurring interest and stress for him. Darren also had recently been diagnosed with some infections that were significantly impacting his health and his ability to think, and even due to finances and social anxiety, he wasn't able to take the next steps to get his scripts filled. He was deteriorating. He was stuck and he was overwhelmed, literally at his end. What Darren did have in that moment, though, was a connection with a caring community member, a Christian who was willing and able to extend love and hope to someone who didn't have the strength to find it in themselves. If you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. The person who talked with Darren did not have any homelessness experience. They didn't have any mental health training. They didn't have large amounts of money or even a place where they could put Darren up to live. But without overthinking it, this person simply responded to the opportunity to serve and to love with just what they had. For $45, Darren's toll debt was cleared. He was connected with another service nearby to where his car was and a phone call was made to provide Darren with a personal connection. They said, Darren, go to this address, speak to this person. They're waiting to hear from you. They're ready to help. Darren ventured in and found another person, yet another person ready to help him take the next steps and find more hope. Darren was then taken to the chemist and had his scripts filled. They cost $30. It was covered for him. He was then given a meal and a shower and an invitation to return the next day. Now, knowing that social connection was key, Darren was contacted most days over the next few months just to provide encouragement and care and a listening ear as he navigated the next few steps towards linking with housing providers, taking his medication and gaining back some confidence. That was in October, just a few months ago. Darren is now over his infections and he's found some shared accommodation that works for him. And he's also found some level of social confidence that means he can now start looking for work. Friends, it might come as no surprise to you, but this is one of many stories of new life care. New life care team, thank you. Thank you for picking up the bill. Thank you for getting Darren back on his feet. Thank you for sowing into our community with your lives. Thank you that you help us make this rhythm stuff really practical. And I just pray, you know, that, that we as a church, together with those that serve at New Life Care, that together, you know, that we might be known in the city as the most, as the people who love God and love neighbour more than any other. So the big question, I guess, that we've been wrestling with today, the really central question for us today is, who will God bring across your path today or this week, this year? And what will you do when God does? Who will God bring across your path and what will you do when God does? My prayer is that um, we will just have so many moments abounding. Our weeks, our days, our year 2023 would abound with moments where we've been able to step out in practical ways and show the concern of Jesus and serve others as Jesus did. And this is so important, friends, because this, our city, this is the city of the Gold Coast, which I think is already a little bit wary and a little bit sceptical about Christianity on some levels. If it does not see, if our city does not see us as followers of Jesus demonstrating these rhythms of serving, then we could just maybe be misunderstood as a bunch of people interested only in the spiritual or in increasing our tribe. I believe that by demonstrating rhythms of serving, by loving our city, by adding value to our suburbs that those acts of serving and kindness and love will be seen by our community and it will actually bring them to a place of being more open than ever to the proclamation of the Gospel, to the words that we would want to share and speak to them. What a shame it would be to miss that opportunity to be able to explain the good news to our city, our friends, our neighbours, explaining to them that without Christ, every one of us here is bankrupt is alienated, is lost, is homeless, is wounded and is impoverished. And that God in His Son, Jesus Christ, He became poor, that we might receive the riches, His riches and the riches of His kingdom. Friends, only Jesus' life is capable of responding instantaneously and effortlessly with unselfish love to the needs of others. If we have not received Jesus into our hearts, then we don't have that love, that life to give. If we have received Him, we need to make ourselves available to Him. We need to bring ourselves willingly, moment by moment, to respond to the needs of others in the strength and the love of God by the Holy Spirit who will impart what we need as we step out to obey. Friends, this is our rhythm of serving. And just in closing, I'd love to share with you a little bit about my personal journey before coming to faith. Before I became a Christian, I was really drawn to helping other people. I loved doing things for other people. Sadly, not always my family, but certainly for my friends and other people that I'd often meet. I wanted to be a really good person and I tried very hard. And as I did, I actually was just making a whole lot of really poor decisions. Basically I was trying to do what I thought was good and I was trying to fulfil the sense that I had for purpose in my life but I was doing it without Jesus. I was doing it without without faith in Him. So without Jesus' life in me, without knowing His love for me, without knowing His grace available to equip and empower me, it was like a lot of hard work. And of course, I didn't know all that at the time. I didn't quite, I couldn't put my finger on what was missing in my life. I couldn't figure out what was really wrong, to be honest. And it wasn't until I encountered some Christians, wasn't until I braved my way to church that God revealed Himself to me. That God revealed His love to me, that He accepted me. That he revealed his mercy and his kindness to me, and, he, and I realized just how close he really, really was. He knew me so well, and yet he loved me absolutely regardless. And in response, I had to do something. I, I had to. You know, it was just, just so powerful for me to encounter Jesus the way that I did. I had to receive this and ask Jesus into my life. And then, you know, to be honest, was life then super easy? No, it wasn't super easy, but it was entirely worth living, every part of it. So I just shared that little bit of my story just as a way to close, but to also make sure that today as we're gathered here, that there might be people here who um, don't consider themselves Christians, who, who, who do not consider themselves to know who Jesus Christ is and to have received what He has for us, for them in their life. I just want to provide a moment of opportunity because I think God's been speaking to us and working through these things that we've shared and the Scriptures that we've read today. So I'm just going to ask if if you'd just um, bow your heads in prayer and just close your eyes because we're just going to bring this moment to the Lord. I just want... Uh, I sort of consider ourselves for a moment and consider this, are we followers of Jesus Christ? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you want to be a follower? And the next step, it is very simple. It's just simply coming to Jesus. It's just bringing to Jesus our failures and our mistakes and our poor decisions. It's receiving His forgiveness because in a moment that we ask, He does that for us. Receiving all that He paid for us at the cross, taking on that stuff of ours that was deforming in our lives, and bringing us to a place of wholeness, giving us a new heart, and saying, "Jesus," and saying to us, "Come, follow Me." Is that what you would like today?